0: create your symphony of success with sales enablement. I'm here with Amy Franco today, LinkedIn sales voice, sales strategist, and author specializing in B2B sales. Hey, Amy, welcome. It's nice to have you here today.
1: Britta, it's so good to see you. I have been looking forward to our conversation today, so when it was on the calendar, I, I couldn't wait to uh, get into Zoom and have our have our talk
0: today. Great. Same here. Thanks. It's a pleasure welcoming you. Amy, before we start with our topic, I would really like to give you the stage to introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what your company does, and most importantly, how you became the person, the Amy, you are today.
1: Oh, sure. Happy to do that. And uh, welcome to everybody who's joined us today. I am thrilled to be here with all of you. Um, so I am I am from the, from the States. Uh, for those of you that uh, may... You may be familiar with some of the major cities, but I live almost exactly equidistant between New York City and Chicago. And uh, I am the CEO of uh, Amy Franco Associates, and I work with organizations, primarily mid-market, and through uh, sales strategy and uh, skill development, I help them accelerate their sales results and their growth results. Uh, to, to get to the question of uh, who, what, what has made me uh, what, what, how I've become the person I am today, you know I would say very, very quickly that uh, sales and leadership are, they're really in my DNA. I always knew from a young age I would start something or lead something. So that that entrepreneurial spirit and sales being a part of that has, has always always been with me. And then the other thing I'll add, um, if I could use one word to describe myself, I would say I'm, I'm a connector at heart that Britta and I meeting one another through LinkedIn is the perfect example of that. She reached out to me on LinkedIn to be a part of this series with all of you. And through social media and uh, virtual connectivity, we have, uh, we have struck up this relationship. And that's what's brought me here today. So I wanted to make sure that I mentioned the power of connecting through LinkedIn and through social to, to elevate our relationships.
0: Definitely, especially currently LinkedIn is, LinkedIn is awesome. It's just into right. network and reach and build your own brand. It's wonderful. All right, Amy, thanks for your introduction. And people who have been joining us before know that now is time for my most favorite question, which I ask <laughs> all my guests, and it's about sales enablement. Amy, how do you define sales enablement? What comes to your mind since there are so many various definitions out there at the moment?
1: There are so many various definitions and and I've been to enough conferences where we have debated the definition of sales enablement and what we came away with was there are many definitions of sales enablement. But but if I could give a succinct definition from my point of view, I really see sales enablement. It's the work of designing the right sales culture, the right processes, the right skills and the right tools that enable your teams to best serve their clients and, and grow sales. It's a, I, I really think about the question as a sales enablement professional or leader, are you taking the friction out of the sales process so that your teams can best serve your clients? Um, and if I were to break that down just a, a little bit more, um, I would say it's also really supported and reinforced through leadership. Does your organizational leadership really embrace And support sales enablement. So um, from a cultural standpoint, do you have the right sales culture in your organization? Do you have the right uh, teams and and team design in order to sell successfully and to um, support your clients? Do you have a sales process in your organization? and, and Brett, I know you will appreciate this. Uh, I, I once delivered a webinar and one of my poll questions was asking what type of sales process do you have in your organization? And over 50% of the respondents in this poll, and th- there were several hundred people in, in this webinar, they didn't have a sales process that they followed in their organization. So so that's, that to me was very eye-opening, yes. the, the, la- the lack of process. Um, but just are you are you the person who is making sure that across your organization, that you're creating the right culture and offering the right skills and tools for people to be successful.
0: Great. Thank you so much for this broad and insightful definition from your side. So Amy, let's dive into our key topic presentation and offering of today. And uh, from your point of view, Amy, in today's new world, especially for sales, how do you see that? Proposal have, proposals have to pivot, and how, what are the do's and don'ts, which we should actually avoid in a sales proposal.
1: Sure, absolutely. And uh, in, in this world, we are. Um, I, w- I was asking some of my clients uh, recently, when's the last time that you've been face-to-face with a client or a prospect? And you know, most of them had said it had been a minimum of four to five months since they had been face-to-face. And, and looking out into the future, I see at least for the foreseeable future, the, re- the rest of 2020, at least here here in the States, um, we will be virtual primarily for the, at least the rest of this year. And then I see us moving into more of a, a hybrid model once we get a little bit further, further past all of this. But the reason why that's so important to our conversation about proposals is that our proposal is our opportunity to showcase what we understand about the prospect or client's business, what is it they're looking to accomplish, what's the vision of the C-suite and how does our expertise and how do our solutions really help them to accomplish it? So the proposal and especially virtually, I'm delivering all my proposals virtually right now via Zoom Mm -hmm. or some other video tool. Um, So your proposal is something very well worth focusing on in these times and beyond. Um, so, so what I thought I could do, I could break down, um, maybe what we could do Berta, is I could share three don'ts and we yep. could get into those don'ts. And then, then I'll wrap up with three, go into three do's if that works no. for you. Okay. So, so let me give you three don'ts and then we will get into these a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, the first don't is to make sure that, uh, don't make your proposal all about you and your firm's capabilities. Yep. I see many, many, a proposal that is all about us and all about what we do. It almost reads like a resume, um, instead of focusing on what the client is looking to accomplish. Um, the second don't is to not don't overcomplicate. You have to keep it simple and focused. And, and especially right now where our prospects and clients, they might be only looking at six months out or maybe a year out in terms of strategy at this moment in time. And then my last don't is to uh, don't negotiate price as your first option. We can, use, we can use pricing strategically, but don't go there as your first choice when you are in your negotiations with the client.
0: Okay, thank you. So if I summarize it, the first don't is don't use your proposal as your resume. The second, right. don't over, uh, make it overcomplicated and oversell in your proposal. And the third one, don't negotiate on price at the first point.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Can we explore those three tones a little bit further, Amy? Can you give us some more insights to them?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So let me give let me give a couple of examples. Um, especially this one about not making your proposal all about you and your firm's capabilities. Um, what that means is when we go there, that that's our comfort zone to be able to share about ourselves and our solutions, what we bring to to the client. If we can flip the equation, so to speak where we truly understand the client's outcomes, the value that we can help them create together. When you lead with that, your solutions then become the supporting cast to what they're looking to accomplish. And you show them that you understand their business and where they're going and how what you're providing brings a, brings um, helps them accomplish those outcomes. When we focus just on ourselves, we look like everyone else yep. you will look if, if you take the logo off of your last proposal take the logo off would it look a lot like your competitors or would it truly stand out because you've been focused on the client mm-hmm. yeah. um if i if i uh offer a little bit more on the second one over um to not over complicate It is very easy to share everything that we do in the uh, the hope of seeing what might resonate with a prospect or client, Mm -hmm. but simplification is really where we want to focus because what it will do is what it helps you to be very clear on what you're proposing to a prospect or client when you keep it very simple on a, a couple of options to help walk through. It's very simple. It's very focused when we overcomplicate we make it hard for them to say yes because we make it hard for them to see the path forward it it looks muddy and it looks it looks too hard and when something is too complicated our human nature is to set it aside we'll decide later or we will stick with what we have because at least we know with what we have we can even if they're working around things um they'll they'll stick with it versus making a a, a decision to change um, and then the last one around, uh, not negotiating price on a first option. I, uh, I, I, I had a client, and,
0: uh, from the right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had, I had a client once who they, they had won an engagement and, um, what had happened was that the client made one more ask. And for those of you that are listening out here, maybe this has happened to you. I know what's happened to me. They had one more ask and the ask was, would you be willing to reduce your fees? by X percentage? Because there's no harm in asking, right? They, they might get a yes. And they did from this client. And without negotiating terms or negotiating anything else in the solution, they lowered their price. Um, they met them halfway on their request. And I'm not saying to never do this. Do it strategically. Make sure that you truly understand the why behind the request. And I always make an effort when a request like that is made, you need to negotiate things out of your solution and out of your terms in order to make sure that you aren't delivering the same thing up here, but now they've asked for a price that's down here. Yes. Um, right right now is, is definitely different times, let's say, where you um, you may have some clients that are coming to you because they are struggling to make payroll. They might be struggling with cash flow over the next quarter or two or longer. I'm not saying to never do this, but understand what's happening in the business and, and see what you can do first before having to negotiate price. Um, so, so be flexible with these during these times, but don't go there as your first go-to.
0: Great. Thank you for that insight. I really like that you actually have to stay agile and flexible also in this discussion and understand, again, understand your customer. Take him first, awesome.
1: Right, right. And you know, if someone does ask you to reduce a fee um, or a price for a product, you don't have to answer that right away. You can certainly take time to review it and understand more about what they're looking to accomplish. So then you can go back to your business and make an informed decision about how you'd like to move forward.
0: Exactly. Thank you. All right. So we heard three don'ts and had a deep dive there. Let's take it on the positive side. What are the absolute do's to make a standout proposal?
1: Okay, let's talk some do's here. The first one is you need to uneven the playing field. And uh, and I'll dig into that one a little bit more. So that's the first do. Mm -hmm. Um, The second do is to focus on the rule of three. And then the third do is to focus on outcomes Value. I I touched on that a little bit already, but but those are the three do's, and uh, I can dig into those a little bit more, provide a little bit more detail on those. Um, This this one about unevening the playing field is interesting because it usually gets uh, gets an eyebrow raise. (laughs) So what what do you mean about unevening the playing field? And and it does not mean doing anything that is out of integrity or something that could hurt a client relationship in any way. It's exactly the opposite. It's thinking differently than our competitors, and finding ways that are with integrity to look different than our competitors. We know, we know that we're unique and we feel unique and we know that we're a difference maker, but in the eyes of our prospect or client, we often look the same. Mm-hmm. We, we often look the same to them. Um, so when you think about unevening the playing field, think about the things that can really make you stand out. And, and I'll give you an example from, from my own, own life. I was working on a really large uh, pursuit, a really large RFP. And I I had a good relationship with the decision maker. And there were a number of people around this decision maker who were also, they were influencing the decision and they, they would be part of the implementation once the client made a decision to go forward. And so I had asked if I could interview each of the people that would be part of the presentation and part of the implementation team. And my decision maker said, yes, uh, please, uh, and, and gave me access to those people. And she had someone on her team raise their hand to say, well, shouldn't we be doing this for all of the, all of the solution providers that will be part of this process? And, and she was very savvy. And what she said was, well, if, if they ask, then absolutely, they, I will grant them that access. But if they don't ask, I'm not going to proactively seek it out. So, so the lesson in all of that was to, to make the ask and find those ways to really stand out. Because that, that helped me learn a lot of more information about my client that my competitors didn't know. And I was able to put together a, a very standout proposal and presentation. And we ultimately won the business. I think that that had a lot to do with it. So where can you find some ways with your prospects or clients that help you stand out and you can uneven the playing field and give yourself a competitive advantage? Um, so so that's unevening the playing field. Uh, the rule of three is, is the rule of three options for a prospect or client proposal. I rarely will go beyond three options in a proposal. And I actually try to build on those options if I can, if it makes sense for the business that you're in. But what I have found with the rule of three is that our, our, we are able to better remember things in threes. Mm-hmm. And when they build on one another, we're showing our different capabilities naturally by tying it back to their outcomes and value and they build on one another. And so what I have found that that does is it fosters really good conversation and collaboration, but it doesn't create things that then become overcomplicated. And and lots of times I'll find that um, a prospect or client will maybe land on a hybrid of some of the options. So so it gives you an opportunity to continue to be creative with a prospect or client but you're keeping it very succinct and following that rule of three, it will also make things easier for you. You'll have more confidence and clarity when you, when you present them versus having to offer four or five or more types of options.
0: Right.
1: Yep, and then, um, then the last one is that uh, your solutions are really the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. They focus on outcomes and value. Outcomes and value will be your true north in any prospect or client situation. Do you know what it is that they want to accomplish in your work together? Do you know the value that you'll create together? And value can be to the organization or it can also be to the to, to the individual decision maker or people involved in the process. So, so there's different types of value there. And then do you also know what, what measures of success will tell you that you're making progress in your work together? If you can hone in on those things, then your solutions can line up to those three things mm-hmm. and everything in your solution can tie back to outcomes and value. So if you can focus in on those and really understand those, your solutions support them and your prospect or client can then see a clear path forward in working together. They, they, they understand and they know that you get them and that you have taken the time to understand them and their business and you'll, you'll stand out that way.
0: Definitely. All right, let's apply the role, rule of three immediately. So yes, the three let's do that <laughs> are uneven playing field, play field, use the rule of three and focus on outcomes and value for the customer in the overall end. Super. Yes. thank you so much for that, Amy. All right. I mentioned in the introduction that you are an author, Amy, and your book, the modern seller is an Amazon bestseller and number one release. It was named as one of the top sales book by the magazine Top Sales World. And in this book, you talk about five crucial skill sets of a modern seller and what they have to have to stand out and rise above the others. Can we take a closer look at those five skill sets, what they are and how you define them?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, so, so for all the skills that we need to have in the sales profession and in sales enablement, so these are things like prospecting, we just talked about presenting, negotiating, closing, those, those skills, will they are crucial and they will absolutely remain with us. We, we have to master those skills. In working with my prospects and clients, I started to uncover some other capabilities that they needed to build in order to be successful. I like to think of them as the skills behind the skills. Mm -hmm. And so that that was really the catalyst for the book, that if we build these five capabilities, we will become even, we will, we will master sales and master sales enablement even more so. So so I titled the book The Modern Seller. And uh, the modern seller is agile, um, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and an ambassador, and uh, and if you'd like, I can just I could give a short working definition for, for each of those. And if there's time, we can we could talk more about any of them that, that you'd like to.
0: Yes. Okay. Please give us. Yeah. So,
1: so so a modern seller is agile. Um, I would I would say agility is probably the name of the game right now, especially <laughs> especially in business and in life, right? Um, but in a modern selling context, a modern seller who is agile is really able to help their prospects and clients see ahead of the curve to see forward into the future. Um, They they are anticipatory. They are able to process lots of information quickly and help their prospects or clients really see insights with original ideas. Um, So that agility is that ability to be quick and nimble and to really help our prospects and clients navigate the landscape. Um, A modern seller who is entrepreneurial is someone who doesn't just see themselves as an employee of their business. They really see themselves as the founder and CEO of their their territory, their book of business, your role, whatever that happens to be. And when you think like an entrepreneur, you make decisions differently. You are thinking about the top line of the business and the bottom line of the business. uh, You are managing risk and you are managing opportunity that's a way different mindset than someone who comes in, does their work and leads at the end of the day. Um, a modern seller is also holistic and, uh, holistic is all about seeing things in, uh, in the connected systems that they are. We are connected to our prospects and clients. Our mm-hmm. prospects and clients are connected to the greater community. Um, The way that we work with our prospects and clients, it's not just us serving them, there are other ecosystems that are serving our prospects and clients. Um, Our suppliers, our business partners, all the groups that are part of the connected ecosystem that help us to be successful with our prospects and clients. Um, So these are things like looking at your sales process, looking at the internal processes of your organization and how do they serve the client, and looking at how everything is connected so you could make improvements and have a competitive advantage. Um, A modern seller is social. And we talked a little bit about that earlier, Britta, where we we had connected on LinkedIn. And it's not about social selling per se, it's about building strong, lasting strategic relationships. And I think now more than ever, we, we truly need that. Are you building the right relationships are you focusing on how your relationships can serve your prospects and clients even better? So building the right relationships, building the right networks, because relationships ultimately lead to sales results. And then the last one is an ambassador. A modern seller is an ambassador. Um, And this is is, uh, a couple of things. An ambassador is someone who is very well connected Uh, into their prospects and clients, into their greater communities, into their industries. And they're also someone whose brand profile really rises above. They embody the values of their organization, but they're also really unique and they stand out and they are difference makers. Um, And I would say the, the bottom line of someone who is really a strong ambassador, you are able to foster loyalty with your clients. A loyal client is three times more likely To continue buying from us we work so hard to build the clients that we have what if we spend time really cultivating those clients and earning even more credibility and earning even more of their business so that we can create great value together an ambassador is very stellar at doing that so so let me stop there and see if there are any follow-up questions or questions from the group uh, that we if any of these you'd like to learn a little bit more about
0: I think there are already some, so we can bring them in now if you don't mind, so we can- Not at all. Yeah, that. please. Um, so the first one, are modern sales skills working in every industry from your point of view, Amy?
1: I believe so, yes. They, they might look different depending on the industry that you're in. If you are in a, maybe a B2C industry as an example versus B2B, but I believe that these modern selling skills apply to any industry and to any clients and figuring out which ones really make the most sense for your selling situation so that you can build them.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Then maybe another one. Let me just scroll through the questions. Sure. Yeah. Um, Maybe the one, how can I, wow, a customer by my sales proposal. We've already touched on that with the three do's and don't. Mm-hmm. Are there any additional points you would uh, recommend?
1: Yeah, so, so I would say one of the ways that you can really wow a customer with your proposal is to take the time to walk them through it. If you have ever emailed a proposal to a client or a prospect and waited to hear back, I don't know about you, but many times that I have done that, I've been waiting for a long time. <laughs> they, they, there are other priorities. There are other things that they're dealing with. Any time that you can schedule time with that prospect or client, and then take the time to walk them through your proposal, will help you to stand out. You will, you will wow your clients. And the one thing I would add to the end of that is always leave that conversation with the next conversation scheduled, so that you continue to continue the follow up. They will be wowed by the approach and the time that you took and the professionalism with which you have taken them through that process.
0: Great, thank you. Sure. And then maybe one more because- Yes. I love speaking to you, Amy, but our time is just flying by so quickly, but I still want to ask this question. How do I motivate my experienced sales team, which up to now mainly achieved sales success based on personal long-term relationships to apply the modern sales methods?
1: So so if I'm following that question right, a sales team that has really relied very heavily on the relationship mm-hmm. is needing to pivot.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes.
1: So, so that's very, very, very common. So if, if you are a sales leader and you're, you're leading this team is, is what I'm gathering, um, there is something with, uh, with agility that you can do with your team. And uh, very briefly, it, it, is called, uh, it is called busting old patterns. Our brain is wired to follow patterns. And in this case, the pattern is relying solely on a relationship to build results. Relationships are crucial. I, I've built much of my business on relationships. I would say that in addition to relationships is also the skill and the expertise. Our prospects and clients expect more of us than ever before. They expect us to be advisors. They expect us to know their business and to help them make their business better. So part of your role as a sales leader is going to need, you're going to need to help them become aware of and bust the, that pattern of relying solely on relationships. And one of the ways that they can bust that pattern is take a look at their top three clients, start there. And what business problems are we solving for them that go beyond just the relationship that we have to start to get them thinking about the business of our client's business. So so not a a lot of time to dig into that question, but I hope that gives you some ideas.
0: Definitely, I hope it answered the question also. Okay, Amy, to spin it back to our sales enablement, the question here is um, the five skills we discussed just briefly about modern seller, how can sales enablement support the development of those skills?
1: So, so I see sales enablement, your, your strategy and your implementation of sales enablement is so, so crucial to success here. And, and then this this part of sales enablement, I see as this, the skill development pillar of sales enablement. So if you take a look at these skills I just talked about, or even other skills that your team needs to be building, how do your sales training programs, how does your coaching, how do all of their learning experiences help them to build these skills. So where I would start is looking at your your learning programs, the way that your teams are being coached and making sure that they are having very specific opportunities to practice these skills in the field so that you can help be a part of their progress as sellers. Mm -hmm. And then that in turn helps sales enablement really be seen as um, as a revenue driver and a function that drives results for the organization.
0: Great. So sales enablement is actually a means to further improve also those skills and
1: support. Absolutely. If yes. done
0: correctly. If yes, absolutely. Wonderful, Amy. So the next question also ties back to one of the beginning ones. And maybe we can just wrap it up in this way. From your point, how do you think that salespeople have to people to keep on selling during the restart after the events from the last months?
1: Your mindset and your outlook are so critical here. It it can be really tough to feel like we're in control in some moments, especially with everything that's happening out in the world. But your mindset and your outlook are absolutely translated to your prospects and clients. They pick up on that and they know that. So I would be looking at mindset and outlook and if I could give one skill to, to master right now, it is to master virtual sales conversations, especially via video, because we will be here for a while. Practice that skill and you will be leaps and bounds ahead of your competitors because when we do come, on the, uh, come uh, through this on the other side, you'll, this is a very vital uh, tool that uh, is part of your skill set that will help you be successful into the future.
0: Great. Thank you for that, Amy. And as I mentioned before, time is flying, Amy. I know. Unfortunately, we are coming to a close. But before, I really want to say thanks to everyone in this um, discussion. Can you share some influences, your favorite podcast, a book, or a person that inspired you? Anything that comes to mind that actually was also accommodating you on your path of growing?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, we probably have quite a few women on this call today. So I was thinking about, about resources for, for women in sales. And I would say one of my early influences, and she's still an influence to me, is uh, Jill Conrath. She has written a number of sales books. So I recommend any of her books uh, if you, uh, for anything that you want to build uh, do with skill building. And then um, there's, there's a podcast um, that is also for women in sales. And it is called, um, it's called conversations with women in sales and it is from, uh, Barb Giomanco. and, uh, and sadly Barb recently passed away. Um, and, uh, but I wanted to make sure that I shared this with you because the podcast is part of her legacy. It is still alive and well, and she has dozens and dozens of podcasts with other women in sales as inspiration as skill building. And, and I would highly recommend that podcast.
0: I love her podcast it's really highly recommended for everyone not just women also men listen to it there are so many insightful tips and tricks and do's and don'ts in there awesome absolutely thanks for sharing that Amy Um, you mentioned in the beginning social how can our participants reach out to you if they want to get in touch what's your preferred way of contact The best way to contact
1: me, please send me an invitation to connect on LinkedIn, uh, Amy Franco on LinkedIn. And then uh, secondarily, you can also go out to my website, uh, amyfranco.com, many ebooks, podcasts, videos, uh, many free resources out there to help you build your skills. Super.
0: Thank you so much, Amy, for joining today and for your insights and your Explanations, wonderful. Thank you so much for that.
1: Breta, thank you. It was such a pleasure to be here with you and with everybody who is watching and listening in today. Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed the conversation with Amy. I loved it. Thank you so much again. And I'm looking forward to our next talk next week, where I will be speaking with Ashton Williams, the Sales Enablement Manager at Ada. Ashton is gone from the sales enablement newbie in the community to a rockstar within a very short period. And we will be speaking about one of our crucial and favorite topics, negotiation. So tune in next Thursday and speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Amy. Bye everyone.
1: Thank you.